0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit michters.com to find out how their taste is everything, cost be damned attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on Heritage Radio org. I'm not Joe Campanelli. I am a guest host today, Jack Inslee, and uh, I'm with Jory Morales, the producer of the show as well. And we have a very special guest in studio today. You may recognize him from In the Drink on Heritage Radio org. He's also the executive beverage director for Epicurean Group, which manages the Wonderful New York City restaurants Del Anima, L'Artusi, La Piccio, and Anfora. He is a certified sommelier, wine specialist, wine educator, featured on many 30 under 30 lists and plenty of other accolades we will get into. It's none other than Joe Campanelli. Hey, Joe.
2: Uh, it's it's an honor to be here in the studio with you today. Did you ever think you'd make it on In the Drink? Huh? <laughs> Um, I, I, I never thought this day would come. You know, I, I, they need to start opening it up to 40 under 40 list now because <laughs> I, I no longer qualify. <laughs>
3: Once upon a time. That's hilarious. Joe, I think that you do an amazing job every week uh, talking to different guests, exploring their different philosophies, their tactics, whatever have you. I don't think enough people out there actually get to talk to you on a one-on-one basis and actually figure out uh, or understand like, your backstory. Uh, you actually didn't start off studying one. You started off in European studies, right, at NYU?
2: Yeah, that's right. I studied uh, uh, European studies, so I kind I, I of I always knew that I was really interested in history and and culture um, and even geography. Um, those were all things that, that interested me. And I, I thought that I wanted to go into politics. I had this oh, this wow. real. I, I felt that at the time I could make an impact, and that was that was really important to me. And I thought that I could do that by going to politics and. For some reason, in my mind, the way to politics was to go to law school and then to have this political career. Um, I guess the the as I grew up, the more I found out about politicians, the the less I wanted to hang out with them. Yeah, you're a little too honest. <laughs> you're a little too honest. With and uh, and just going to school in, in New York City and being exposed to things like um, the farmers markets, great uh, uh, retail stores like Dina and DeLuca and and uh, and. Uh, restaurant week, restaurant week was huge for me. I can, uh, I can eat at great restaurants for $20 and, uh, that, that blew my mind. And, and I knew, uh, pretty quickly after I, after I started NYU that, that going into law was not the appropriate thing for me.
3: Oh, wow. So I know you studied overseas in, in Madrid and Florence. Was that through the European studies course or was that when you already made your change
2: yeah, so that that was through. So European Studies was a was a major that required you to study abroad and do advanced uh, advanced language. Um, luckily, I was doing I was doing Spanish at the time, which going into restaurants proved to be a useful um, a useful skill. But it was really Italy that I that I fell in love with, okay. and when I came back from Italy, that's when I had this in my head, this mandate that, that there's no way, like I need to surround myself with food and wine. And that is, that's how I want to, uh, to, to spend the rest of my working life. You went over to
3: Italy, fell in love with the culture and came back to the States and just wanted to immerse yourself in it.
2: That's right. And right when I got back, I walked into Italian wine merchants and, um, I bought the least expensive bottle or the second least expensive bottle of wine there. And it was, uh, uh, I remember what it was. It was Fudi di San Gregorio Rubrato. Uh, it was maybe thirteen or fourteen dollars. Um, and they treated they they were very patient with my my questions. I was really enthusiastic, and they took a dumb waiter down to the cellar, brought back the, this very inexpensive bottle of wine out of the cellar at cellar temperature, presented to me, wrapped it up beautifully, and put it in this really nice bag, like as if I had you know gone shopping on Madison right. Avenue or something. And I felt great about it. And I, as I was walking out, I turned around and said, you know what? I love this place. I wanted to be here more often. And I don't know where I got the, the, the cojones, but I just went up to the manager there. I was like, "Can would you hire me? I'll work for free. Uh, I, I, mean, I wish I had blurred out the second part. but uh, So I, I did an internship there, which, which then uh, evolved into, uh, into a job.
3: Right. And the internship... As as uh, as we know, uh, you, that's where you met August Cardona, the, your your future business partner. Correct.
2: That's right. So uh, at the time, August was uh, he was my boss um, there, and. Uh, and, it, yeah, it was great, great working with him. After after I left Italian Wine Merchants, uh, I went off. He stayed at Italian Wine Merchants, and uh, now we work together. Now I'm his boss, so the, the tables have changed. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't tell him I said that, No, though. no.
3: Uh, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I want to rewind uh, a little bit uh, going into when you first started working in kind of like the food world. It wasn't front of the house. You actually started off in the kitchen at Union Square Cafe,
2: right? That's right. So I... Um, I knew that I, I loved food and I wanted to be around food. Uh, at, and at this time I was, um, dabbling with the idea of working in the food industry. This was before I went to Florence. Um, and I convinced Union Square Cafe to let me do this kitchen internship and, uh, probably, you know, one of the greatest kitchens in, in New York City. I, I, I found it, um, I was interested because in Zagat, <laughs> I was really into my Zagat guide at the time, it said that this was the most favorite restaurant, the most loved restaurant right. uh, by New Yorkers. And so to me, that was even that was even more powerful than the, the best or the greatest. Right. Um, and so I went in for lunch, and I had the same kind of just really uh, forward... Uh, and, and I, I don't find myself. I don't think that I'm the most forward person in the world. But the same kind of thing happened as a Italian wine merchants. I saw the pastry chef, and uh, her name was Emily Isaac, and I went right up to her and I was like, man, I love this meal. I absolutely loved uh, dessert, especially um, the caramelized banana tart. Was like the most incredible thing I've ever had. Right. And would you think about taking me on as as an intern?" And so, "Well, first of all." Uh, all the desserts on the menu are mine, except car- caramelized banana tart. It's been on the menu since we <laughs> opened, and that is that is not my dessert at all. Uh, but glad you liked it. And second of all, uh, I have to talk to Mike Romano, the executive chef, and I was able to convince them somehow without any experience other than being someone who was cooking at home to uh, to bring me on. And th- and this is in in the Danny Meyer kitchen uh, uh, it's definitely a, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great environment, but it wasn't what I loved about food. I, I right. came to realize quickly, um, in a professional kitchen, what happens is you're, you have your station and you're making the same five, six, seven dishes all oh, night yeah, long over and over again, over and over right. again. Uh, it's it's very hot. Uh, I I I sweat a lot, <laughs> so I don't like that. That I don't like the heat. And uh, the only feedback that you get from the from the dining room is when uh, and generally, you know, is is when something is overcooked or undercooked or oversalted or undersalted or something something like that. And so you can you can picture why a lot of chefs get a reputation of being crazy, right? right. Because they're they're working harder than anyone in the front of house right. for sure. For sure. Hands they're, down. They're more skilled. They, Hands down. They've they've gone through years and years of training and then <laughs> For
3: less pay at that. Right? And, and for less pay. Crazy hours for less pay.
2: And then, you know, then the dish could be cooked absolutely perfectly, but someone someone doesn't like the way it's cooked and that's all they hear. And they don't hear the ninety nine other times right. uh, that that it's amazing or that's awesome. amazing, and I like the instant feedback. I like <laughs> I like hearing I'm doing a good job and that that people are having a good time. So uh, when I worked my way back into the front of house uh, later at later at Babo, I realized that instant gratification, seeing people having a good time, enjoying their experience that's what that's what I really that's what I crave. That's what that's what the I really interpersonal
3: like. connection, yeah. being able to go ahead and. Build those bridges and actually talk to your guests and help them help guide them towards a wine that's going to help enhance their experience and their meal.
2: Yes. And, you know, and I started to realize, uh, I think, really, at, when I was at Babo, and we get these guests in who were um, tourists uh, or maybe they were young and this wasn't the kind of meal that they can have all the time this was a very very special maybe once a year sort of meal and i felt a lot of responsibility for uh for that and to see the delight on on their face that was my favorite favorite experience and then i realized that's what i it, it wasn't just food that i liked it was the the experience and the being able to show hospitality through food um, because a, a perfectly cooked thing on a plate by yourself is just kind of sad and and lonely it 's nice uh, but it's not you know it 's not as good as sharing that with someone and then for me, especially if uh, if i 'm part of the other person having a really great time so uh, so that 's when when I started to realize well this is this is my this is where I want to be in food I want to be part of using food as a tool to show people a good time how so
1: did, How did you get the job at Bobo yeah?
2: How to get the job at Babo? They must have been desperate. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was only, uh, I had just turned 23. Uh, I had never been a professional sommelier before. This was like, this is at the time the greatest uh, Italian wine list in in New York City. Um, I was was in the food studies master's program and I had done all of these wine certifications, like an absurd amount. Everyone in New York City, Pretty much, uh, uh, I'd done the Certified Wine Educator uh, diploma in wine spirit through Wine Spirit Education Trust, certified sommelier from Court of Master Smalleys. I'd done all these by the time I was twenty-three, and I did spirit certifications and all this. So I was just really into learning everything I could learn about about wines and spirits, and uh, I would read uh, David Lynch's book uh, Vino Italiano. Vino Titan- yeah back and forth and, and had earmarked it and underlined it and mine was all tattered. And so I, I was, I was really just diving into it. And I think that they saw that, that kind of, uh, enthusiasm. Um, uh, and, and I was in the food studies master's program. They, I was really, I was really enthusiastic about it. Uh, and hopefully that, I think that's what made up for my, my lack of experience. Uh, yeah. So that's how, but that was, that was tough. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely my, uh, my, my, uh, connection from Italian wine merchants. So you know, stay stay in touch with your your former employers. Leave on leave on a good note. Um, but that's how he goes. At that time, Mario Batali and Joe Bastianich were partners in Italian wine merchants. Right. Uh, they 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 aren't anymore, but uh, they were at that time, and there was a lot of overlap with with wine dinners. And wine. I had no clue that they actually
3: were partners in Italian wine merchants. That's crazy.
2: Yeah, yeah, that that. Uh, that they yeah they're pretty amazing. <laughs> I don't know what's it, like. but now it's yeah Sergio Esposito and and uh, and his brother uh, and there it's just uh, it's grown beyond what anyone could have uh, I think imagined. Uh, but when I think back now, as as to the wines that were being poured in two thousand four two thousand five at Italian wine merchants that like you didn't really see around that people kind of just take for granted as great Italian wines like Giuseppe Quintarelli. Right. Um, Bartolo Mascarello. Bartolo Mascarello's been uh, uh, around for a while, and people recognize his quality. But Damian Podversic and Grovner, like these wines, were not really around the city. they Italian wine merchants really put a lot of these these really great Italian wines on the map. And I think now if someone opens up an all Italian wine store, you're like, oh, that's cool. But in 2001 or whenever Italian wine merchants opened 2002. To open up an all-Italian high-end wine boutique was was revolutionary. People weren't thinking of Italian wines, especially Italian white wines, right. being on, on the same level uh, as... As the,
3: the reds, the bold reds that everyone loves. Right. What are the biggest challenges in trying to get some of those smaller grower-producer wines from Italy over, over to the States for, for
2: distribution or in the restaurants? Um... It seems these days that there isn't much of a challenge getting them over here. It seems like they, <laughs> we're i mean we're very fortunate in New York City to have so much wine available to us um the The challenge for me as as a buyer is to not get over excited as to all of these great wines that are coming and try to to remain uh true to the wines that I know and and that I love uh and and kind of cycle them cycle new ones in uh in a In a controlled way, because there's something like thirty forty thousand different wine skews that wow. we have available in, in in New York, many of them uh, italian uh, and hundreds of distributors and a bunch of like new small guy distributors right. who you just want like you're like you 're an awesome nice guy, you have a small book like I want to work with you you're you're awesome but we are i already have like 30 different distributors that that i have already have that experience right, with right. uh and some of them i've had really really long relationships with right. um so that you have to to kind of create that balance
3: and then you have the challenge too of you're towing that line of how do i go ahead and show my love for certain regions i want to highlight certain producers at the same time without taking away from your own integrity, you have to go ahead and appeal
2: to the guests and your clientele. Mm-hmm.
3: How, how do you balance that?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's tough. Cause you know, you're putting together a list for your guests, not, not for yourself. Um, I, I really do believe that, uh, if we put together a list of wines that we believe in, and I work really closely with, uh, the assistant beverage directors at at the restaurants. We created a wine list mission statement for for each of the uh, each of the wine lists, and it's true, it's posted up in our wine room. I see. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so all of the wines have to appear, have to kind of fit into that that mission statement, um, and and we talk about it, you know, if if they don't. Um, but I think that if we stay true to the wines that we love, our our guests are, are really going to like them as well. I don't think that any of our our tastes are so esoteric that, uh, that, that guests aren't going to like them. But it's more about choosing wines that, that are, uh, are made with integrity, are made with a connection to the place that, that they come from.
1: So, guys, I think it's a great natural spot to take a break here, and we'll find out after the break how you end up opening your own spots. Um, this is In the Drink with guest Joe Campanelli. We'll be right back <laughs> after a quick break. <laughs> Michter's Distillery is a proud sponsor of InTheDrink and HeritageRadioNetwork.org. At Michter's, our passion is making the finest whiskeys possible. When you only make small batch and single barrel whiskeys like Michter's does, your whiskey has to be perfect. No detail is too small, from careful attention to the wood used in the construction of our barrels to lower barrel entry proof before heat cycled aging in advance of exacting chill filtration. And no whiskey gets bottled until Michter's master distiller says it's just right. Michter's cost be Damned" taste-is-everything attitude is apparent in every sip of its smooth, rich whiskeys. Is it worth it? A lot of spirits lovers seem to think so. Food & Wine magazine called Michter's the best American whiskey. Bon Appetit said it's amazing. And the Wall Street Journal had one special word for Michter's. Phenomenal. For more information, visit Michter's.com or simply visit your favorite bartender or retailer and ask for Mictors. We are back. I don't know whose wonderful voice that was on the ad, but thank (laughs) you for (laughs) promoting Mictors, and thank you to Mictors for supporting the show. Uh, We are here with Joe Campanelli, and we're going through his sort of career trajectory life story, and uh, we left off with you... As the sommelier at Babo. Now, how do we get to you opening Del Delanima with uh, August Cardona and Catherine Thompson?
2: Yeah, you know, I really, I really feel like I stepped in shit when, uh, <laughs> uh, when I opened Delanima because it, it's not the story of how people typically open up, uh, open up restaurants. Uh, I was really fortunate. That um, I was working at Babo, and one of August's friends came to him with this, uh, with the space, wanting to open up a restaurant with, with August. And uh, at the time, August was the director of operations over at Italian wine merchants, and he said that he wasn't, uh, he wasn't for whatever reason, ready to leave Italian wine merchants, but he would get into opening up this restaurant if he could convince me to leave my job at Babo Mm. and, uh, Mm. and and open the restaurant with him. Um, and, and, you know, again, I I was 23 years old and I was offered, uh, ownership in a, in a restaurant. Um, and so how often do you get, does that opportunity come, come by? So, so I was like, yes, absolutely. Sign me up. Let's go. Um, Absolutely scared out of my mind, I had no idea what I was getting into It's even scarier now to me to think back on what i didn't know I'm, I'm glad that you know uh that i that i didn't know uh how treacherous uh it was going to be uh, but uh, we made we made it through uh we made it through that first year it didn't burn the uh the restaurant down and uh this uh October is going to be seven year seven anniversary years. seven year anniversary Dalanima.
1: Well, then you jump right into a second restaurant, like you know, r- right after that first year. How did that happen?
2: I think none of us really expected it to be as as well received as it was. Um, we just wanted to open up a, a great neighborhood restaurant. I wanted to put on wines that on wines that that were. Uh, were special to me that I really loved and kind of surprised people with having a little bit of a, a, a bigger, better, well thought out list than you might expect in a, in a tiny little 40 seat restaurant. And, uh, and Gabe's food was just outstanding from, from the beginning. Um, we had a really special opening team, um, still friends with, with most of them, uh, today. Um, and, and we, we by the spring we opened in October. By the spring we were turning away more people than we were sitting every night, and uh, we realized that wow. we just needed a few more seats, and we couldn't we couldn't <laughs> expand to We needed a few more seats, um, so we started looking for uh, for another uh, for another restaurant uh, space. And luckily, we didn't have to look very far. The first place that that we looked at was. Um, uh, Cesare Casella's former restaurant Marema. And I know many people have have actually looked at that space before us or while we were while we were looking at it and kind of passed it up because it's uh, it's in the middle of the block. Uh, It's across the street from a police precinct. Which, uh, as we know, as you know, Joy at Lartuzi, you yeah, can yeah, see yeah. those lights go off several times a night. It has a tiny little frontage, so you could pass by it a hundred times and, and never see it. And then on that block, there's nothing else open after seven o'clock at night. So, so it, all of the the traditional metrics of of restaurant real estate kind of didn't really add up. There's not good foot traffic there. You know, it, did, it didn't really add up for for that space. Um, but we liked it. We, we, we liked the, uh, the way it kind of unfolded as you walk through it, like this little jewel box and the upstairs are these great skylights. And, um, I, I saw right away where I wanted to put my wine cellar. It was so clear to me, um, right, how I could build this like beautiful, uh, beautiful wine cellar upstairs. And, uh, the, the rent was still under market, uh, for, for back then. And that, the neighborhood is just, uh, just exploded. So. Uh, so that was Lartuzzi, uh, a year, just, a, a year and a couple months after Delamette. However, you know, Lartuzzi did open in December of 2008, which was kind of the, the doldrums of, of the economy when, mm. when, uh, when all those bankers kind of ru- ran the global economy into the ground. But, uh, so that, that made <laughs> things really scary, yeah. um, but, uh, but, yeah, so now, now Lartuzi is, again, it's also like, busier than we ever would have thought that it, that it could be. And we're so thankful for that. Um, and uh, it's been a, a really great run. We just had our five-year anniversary at, uh, at Lartuzi, And I guess that was last year. Yeah. And we had 11 people who were part of the opening team at Lartuzi are still working there.
1: Amazing. Um, one more question on the restaurants. Uh talk me through the names. What do the names mean?
2: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> this is our subject uh so we have delanima lartuzzi Lepicho, and anfora uh our names are so hard to pronounce i think the next restaurant we open we're gonna call bob just apostrophe just, <laughs> just apostrophe. Or eat at joe's or something joe's joe's drink at joe's <laughs> uh so okay so delanima is the i guess the easy one it means from the soul um i think it's very pretty uh we try to to have the name as just a, a, a check that uh, for us, make sure that everything we do has on, honesty and integrity and, and is real um, and and has some soul in it. Uh, Anfora, I guess is the second easiest one. Anfora is named after um, this ancient vessel that was uh, terracotta clay pot used for, wine um vinification and maturation and transportation. They use different ones for for each. And these uh these vessels are having a comeback in the uh albeit a very, very small one, but uh they're they're having a comeback in in the wine world and, and I'm super interested in in these kind of wines. And then Lartuzzi was named after Pellegrino Artuzzi. He was a um a silk merchant who is also an Epicure and he would uh, travel all over the boot of Italy to sell his, uh, his fine silks. And he collected recipes from all over Italy and compiled them in, in a book. It was the first book ever to have recipes from, from many different regions like that. Um, and it's kind of become the, uh, the joy of cooking uh, of, of Italy and people have very old copies and hand them down and, and it's still the most important uh the most important book in cookbook in Italy. The, the full name is Scienza nella cucina e l'arte di mangiare bene, but everyone such a mouthful, <laughs> even for Italians who speak uh, with, with mouthfuls often. Uh, people just colloquially refer to it as L'Artuzzi or the, the Artusi book. Uh, and then Piccio, um is uh, named after Apicius, who was a, uh, a Roman chef. And he was really unique because he was this really revered chef, and at a time when when cooks were, were considered um, to uh, to be peasants or are oftentimes they were they were slaves, um, but he was considered to have really great talent. and uh, And some of his recipes were, were written down again at a time when when recipes weren't really written down. Um, Fast forward to the 18th century, there was a cookbook that was dedicated to um, Apicius that was called La Piccio, and it was the first book to ever have a a red sauce, a red tomato sauce in it, because in ancient Roman times, there there were no tomatoes in in Italy. And uh, not that we are are a red sauce uh, joint, though Gabe makes a really tasty tasty tomato sauce, uh, certainly with lots of... uh, Chili flake and... Uh, a lot of chili flake. <laughs> Gabe there. loves the spice. Uh, but uh, but we, we really just love that story. That's oh, so those funny. Are great stories.
1: Thanks. <laughs> did you ever experience anybody kind of like giving you... Uh, how, how would I put this? As such a young guy opening restaurants, did, did you
2: experience doubt? Or people like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing? Or, I mean... You know, I felt a, a tiny tinge of that and maybe that was my own just personal unsureness of myself however this industry is amazing and for the most part that that didn't really exist at all people were super helpful um really supportive uh whoever i asked i I mean i asked a ton of people for whether it was you know a, a beer vendor or someone to uh to uh, clean hoods or wh- whoever it was, uh, people were, were super supportive, and there, I didn't feel much competition, and I didn't feel feel much of, of that at all. So no, it, it's it's really amazing, and it's something that that we try to do to kind of go over the top to help out any other restaurant that that would uh, that would ask for help because we've certainly felt that over the years. Oh nice, so. I have to ask.
3: I know that you used to uh, do food writings. You used to maybe even entertain the idea of becoming a food writer. You are, you, Gabe and Catherine, are now lucky enough to actually have your own your own cookbook. And I don't know of any cookbook before that's actually paired wines and beverages with the recipes. I'm told that that you you did such in the book is, is that right you want to tell us about it
2: or that's uh, thank you for asking jory i really appreciate it you're really good at this man maybe you want to take over uh, the next few weeks by the way uh uh yeah that's right so our our cookbook downtown italian comes out next tuesday Um, you can pre-order on Amazon. And, um, it is a collection of the recipes from our, uh, last seven years of, uh, of working together. Of me, Gabe is the executive chef of the restaurant. Catherine is, uh, the pastry chef. They're my business partners. And, uh, it's recipes from all three of the restaurants over the last seven years and my my contribution to the book is uh i i have a chapter on our cocktails in the beginning and on aperitifs in general and then a digestif chapter at the end and then wine and uh beverage pairings all throughout for each one of their recipes so uh yeah i'm i'm happy the way the way it worked out and uh it's it you can easily put together the recipes work really really well at home i i uh i uh, i cooked a bunch of them with uh with my girlfriend Alyssa a few weeks ago and uh and and her mom and they they're just really easy to uh to cook at home and uh the pairings are are the pairings are they're all throughout so Uh, thank you for bringing it up. And we're just super excited. It's just crazy how long of a process it takes. It's been, uh, it's been like two years, but, uh, I can't believe that it's finally coming. Uh, it's finally coming out. And you've been in a relationship with Gabe and Catherine for seven years, seven years. That's crazy. Yeah. When we started (laughs) when, okay. So just going back to that, that story, I think it's kind of a cool story. So Catherine was the, the chef and the private events person at Italian wine merchants when we, when we were there, uh, and worked with me in August. Um, when we opened Delanima, uh, reached out to Catherine to say uh, she was in between jobs. Can you help us get this open? August had his f- full-time job. I was super inexperienced. Like, we needed someone who actually knew what they were doing. And uh, I still think that, that uh, you know, other than... Maybe our director of operations, Heather Morgan, Catherine is the most talented person I know in the restaurant industry. Like she is amazing. Hands down. And she can do, she can be uh, executive chef, pastry chef, or general manager. She's actually
3: classically trained. She's a That's right. Yeah. yeah. She
2: was a valedictorian CIA. So yeah. <laughs> she's like, she knows her shit. So <laughs> we asked, we reached out to Catherine to, to help out. Um. And to say, uh, you know, choose in between jobs. The main, the main thing we needed was to hire a chef right. and neither August nor I were really qualified to hire a chef. And Catherine said, you know, I just started dating this guy a couple months ago. He's an awesome chef. Uh, you should do it. And we were really skeptical at first because Katie was our, our close friend. And what if we had to fire her boyfriend? Right. That would have sucked. Uh, um, Gabe must've
3: cooked her something really amazing for her to vouch for him after like, just like two months. It was just a few months. Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> and, and, uh, and we, we met Gabe and it was, uh, we, we could tell not only was his, his food amazing, but this is a guy that we wanted to, uh, we wanted to work with just, a an infectious personality. He's, uh, he's, takes his takes his job really seriously but is also uh, a lot of fun he's a
3: fun quirky guy
2: yeah he's he's the man so uh yeah now they're now they're married they have two babies and uh they're partners in the restaurants and and then we worked on this cookbook together it's all kind of come full circle
3: i'm gonna go on record and thank italian wine merchants right now for giving uh me august cardona Catherine thompson gabe thompson and joe campanelli (laughs) and and a family to work for uh, with epicurean group Uh, i think joe I think you do a great job of uh, staying hungry and thirsty for knowledge and wanting to take everything that you learn and spread it because I think that's one of the best things about this industry is is you can you can actually taste the love literally in in food and beverage
2: thank you <laughs> thank you so much uh yeah i know i'm 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 honored to be working in uh in the restaurant industry I think it's the the greatest industry it's just Filled with with supportive, amazing, talented, hardworking people, uh, it, it's fun to go to work every day. And uh, Jory, thanks thanks for <laughs> jumping in the seat. Uh, you guys can visit Jory at Lartuzzi most <laughs> nights as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you for for holding it down behind the bar there too, as well as holding it down in the uh, interviewer seat.
1: Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we made this happen, guys. Um, <laughs> we have to end the show with a wine of the week segment though. So I'm going to have to ask uh-huh. both Jory and Joe what their wine of the oh, week man. has been.
2: Wow. Okay. So I, I, I kind of know, I kind of know mine. We've been doing these, um, wine dinners at La Picho with New York Vintners, which other has this other like super interconnected with the Italian wine merchant story. It's, uh, Uh, two guys who worked at New York Vintners spun, uh, who worked at Italian wine merchants spun off and opened up New York Vintners. One of them being Catherine's cousin. Very connect. We love New York Vintners. So, uh, (laughs) we've been doing these, these dinners with them. Last night we did a super Tuscan dinner. Um, and as you know, we don't, we don't talk about super Tuscans a lot (laughs) on this show. tend to not, I'm, I'm not predisposed to, to certainly love, uh, um, wines made with with Cabernet and and, and Merlot in, in in Italy the wines were absolutely beautiful in the 1990 Castello de Rampola San Marco um, which is it's an estate that I that I visited recently in in Ponzano right across from Fontodi which is you know it's a winery on all of our list, one of my favorites uh that was just absolutely beautiful like just this extraordinarily uh exciting wine that was kind of towing the line between still having all of its really pretty ripe fruit and then really getting into some of that panzano minerality and earthiness and ruggedness. So uh, that wine was extraordinary. Um, and yeah, so we'll have four more of these New York Vintners dinners too, if you guys want to come and it's, it's really fun because we get to, we taste like 12 or 13 different wines um, over the course of a dinner. How about you? What do you got after?
3: <laughs> uh, a, a jug of Charles Rossi. Uh, no, I, I I I didn't really drink a lot of wine this week. I did, though, try um, a beer, Saranac. I've never really tried anything from their brewery before. I was upstate enjoying some foliage nice. and uh, just tried their Oktoberfest. Uh, really nice and crisp, like 5.4% ABV, uh, like 20 IBUs. Uh, nice session beer. Nothing Nothing too light, fall friendly. Yeah.
2: Nice. Yeah. All right. I had a. Uh, what well, do you have, Jack? Yeah. Jack. I, I, I really <laughs> <laughs> did you, have you been Have you been sipping that Moet Ice some more? Moet no, ice. That, that
1: that was a few weeks ago. I did finish the he ice still imperial, though. That. No, I had a, I had a nice Baron Fini Pinot Grigio last night, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, anyway, we managed to seamlessly promote a book and an event in an interview, so I feel like we've done our job (laughs) behind the mic. Joe, thanks so much for for doing this, agreeing to this, and Jory, great job jumping in there uh, in the interview seat. So we will see you guys next week on In the Drink.
2: Wow, thank you guys.
1: Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.